This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to, ha- great to have such a nice crowd today, and it's really going to be a beautiful service. Very much looking forward to what I have to share with you today. You're going to hear a number of voices actually throughout the service, because I, I think it's real important as we look at mindfulness, that we look at what reconnection actually means. Now, to help everybody with this series, we have, we have bracelets, and, and if you guys could just say cool all together at the count of three, one, two, three. This is the least way, at least I, for a moment, I feel like it's cool. So it's a, it's a bracelet that says reconnect. So your homework over the next five weeks. And remember, I am a teacher, former teacher, and I'm Santa Claus. So I'll know if you don't do it. What I want you to do, every time you reconnect, switch to the other hand. Take the bracelet of one hand, do it to another. Every time you email somebody or talk to somebody or have the conversation that you'd love to have or, or have the conversation you wish you'd had. You know, switch hands, because we're going to work on reconnecting over the next five weeks. And it's a beautiful theme, reconnection. As I say many times, and many of you know this, the word religion in Latin means to, please say it loud, means to, it means to reconnect. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. How does this work? How does this function? Kevin Hines talked a lot about what does it feel like to feel disconnected? Disconnected from the ones we love, disconnected from the better angels of our nature, disconnected from ourselves. And there's really only one solution to that, which is to reconnect. And one of the ways we're going to look at in terms of reconnecting is the concept of mindfulness. Mindfulness. You could also say soulfulness. Now, here's some definitions up here for mindfulness, just to give you an idea about what we're talking about. And there's a, I just threw a whole bunch here because some of them are so cool. Mindfulness, tracing our spiritual roots held by God that extend deep into our souls and out into the world. That's mine. Um, quality of unconditional being. That's someone who's smarter than me. Our heavenly own. That's a beautiful one. That's, that's a piece of new church theology where Emmanuel Swedenborg said, yeah, it's a, it's a heavenly own with a small h actually and a big O. It's sort of God's gift to us that we are gifted with using and living into. Remembering the present. Is that a good one? How many of us forget to be present? Please all raise your hand at the same time. <laughs> you know, we're always constantly forgetting to be present. Well, this is remembering the present. A willingness to forget the past and the future. Very much one connected. The next couple of ones are good too. The quality of aliveness. That's varsity. The quality of aliveness. Giving up the idea that you must respond, that you have to respond. <laughs> it's not easy. Paying attention to with purpose without evaluating. And the last one there, grace. The last one there, grace. So we're going to be looking at a lot of these topics and how do we actually start to live in that place? I know even this morning, like we, we have so much going on today and, and uh, sometimes we have any fans of the old TV show MacGyver, you know, from back in the day. And some days I feel like it's like, I come into church and I got all these little things and I got this and I got this and I get this and it totally takes me out of the moment. And imagine a lot of you share that too in your work life, in your home life. And how do we just breathe, take a minute to listen and come back to something that's far more grounded and far, far just richer, far richer. So the way I want to start today's service is actually looking at this question. 
Kevin Hines was so good last week. If you didn't see him online, please take a look at his video. He was so good. And uh, he just offered a lot. And what was one of the most amazing parts to me was actually watching how he worked with people throughout. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to hop down out of the audience. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. I'm going to have like three or four people just share. What is it that struck you last week? Where did you observe mindfulness in last week's program with Kevin Hines? Like, where was the mindfulness piece there? Now, we do not have a stick mic, so I'm going to pull this off of my ear. It'll look strange to you, but just speak into it. Trust me, it will work. All right? So what I want is I just want like three people raise their hand. You know, you'd like to share on that question, where did you observe mindfulness in last week's program with Kevin Hines? And then Allie's going to share a little story about a beautiful picture and explain how, what that picture says about mindfulness. So three people raise your hand. All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Regina. I attended last week and I thought when he said, when he asked us to say, did people care about me? And then we all said, yes. That was us listening to him as well. And then he was letting us know that if he had listened to his father and his family, he would have, but he had such a a disease that blocked that he, it. That he couldn't hear it. That's a beautiful one. Yeah, and he did. He offered this beautiful yes that was just incredible. Someone else out there want to offer one? All right, way up there. I think his message at the end to, for, you know, forget the past and the gift is the present uh, is you know, sharing a learning for us, and he didn't forget to do that. Yeah, and it was a great way to close it, that idea of remembering the present. I think that's pretty good. Pretty good? Good, good, good. Anyone else? All right. So what I want to do now is I want Allie's going to come up, and she's going to share just a little bit of what her experience was with math, with with Kevin and and hearing him and his story. So Allie, if we give Allie a round of applause as she comes on forward. to this is this next slide here, picture of Allie's family talking with Kevin. You'll take a look at this next slide. Thank you, Chuck. Um, Thank you all for being gracious enough to listen right now. It's a time for me to heal a little bit more too. Um, so to give you a little background, almost exactly 18 months ago to this date, um, I was, it was a Friday morning, it was rainy and I decided I sent the kids off to school and I decided to stay home instead of going on my walk with friends and watch the finale of Downton Abbey. I had taped it and, uh, You know, you make those decisions and you don't know why, but I did, and I got a knock at the door halfway through, and it was one of my dear friend's dads. I could see through the glass, his face was white as a ghost, and I I opened the door, and I shook my head, and I knew what happened. 
He just nodded. And um, my husband had passed away. And I'd asked him, please don't tell me how. And I just, you know, said about 50 no's and uh, held on tight. People began to pour into our house. And um, my closest people in my life. And so one eventually blurted out how it happened. And uh, it was by his own hand.
or uh, you know, just interest. It's where we really organize around the heart. Really organize around the heart. Where we move to the language of commitment, to community, to reconnect. And I think as well, you know, these, these words from the Gospel of James where, where it talks about like what that communication might look like. I think of this, and again, I think of Kevin, I think of all the other great listeners I've known in my life. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. As the new church puts it, a human being is nothing else but a vessel which receives life from God. You know, and that idea like that, that we can be in connection with that. We can start to allow that to move through us and it can become this incredibly powerful thing. Now the challenge, of course, and, and I imagine a lot of us here, uh, you know, we just spend a lot of our lives pretty mindlessly, you know, where we're not really paying attention. And I'm going to step onto both carpets because I want to talk just very briefly about that. I want to step over here first. When we're in that mindless place, and I, and I imagine all of you, at least I hope, I'm not the only one here who has mindless moments, right? You know, when we're stepping into that mindless place where we're, where we're just missing, we get very wrapped up in our own thing. We're not very aware of other people. We very much have that chatter going on. As one of my dear friends said, you know, all our thinking is doing at that time, it's just merely a self-indulgent fantasy. Like, I want to say that again. It's a self-indulgent fantasy. Could we all say, yes, it is, together? Yes, it is. It's like this self-indulgent fantasy that we just turn over and over in our heads. You know, I, I've mentioned in here before, I imagine a lot of you, you know, that's where I argue with people who did me wrong when I was 12. And I just replay it, replay it, replay it. It's very self-indulgent. And it makes me mindless. It makes me unaware of, of what's around me. Now, I can also choose to step to a very different place, a much more soulful place, a place where I feel God is asking me to be. And over here, I'm in a mindful place, a very soulful place, where literally, like, I'm looking at someone and I'm really hearing them. It's a great saying to remember, you know, where we're far more interested in someone than worried about being interesting. And I can just, I can just hear them. I don't need to respond. I don't need to, to, to say any great things. I can just simply be listening. God is in that place. When we learn to listen to each other, which is such a blessing, you'll find out some pretty amazing stories and you'll learn to listen to God. It all kind of comes around together. New Church is this beautiful uh, passage where it talks about when we really start to get that, we really start to see from our hearts. You know the way we see the world? With just awe. Just awe. Even in times that are broken and difficult, even there, we see the preciousness of it all. The preciousness that we are to each other. 
So as we go through this series, this is the parts we're going to be taking a look at. And again, I hope you join us over the next five weeks. The first is the question, am I listening? That's today. Next week, we're going to talk about what is it to actually be true? Number three, what is it to be kind? What is it to be useful? And the last one, what does it mean when all actually end up being welcome? I think this next quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite theologians, he, he was, died in a concentration camp in World War II, really gets to it. And this is one, by the way, I would take a picture of if you have your phone out, because it really summarizes why this whole series and why number one in particular is important. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, the first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists of listening to them. Just as love of God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for our brothers and sisters is learning to listen to them. And I, you know, that idea of like the first service, I think is so beautiful. So when we come back, I'm going to talk, yeah, like, like, how do we do that? How do, how do we do that first service? Now, in the middle of the service today, I'm going to do a little break here, just so you know what's coming. We're going to do the middle of the service a little bit differently. You know, this is the part. We have a lot of new people here. I see a lot of new faces out there where we pass the bucket for donations. Well, I just wanted to go over real quickly. We have another way that people can donate as part of New Church Live. Angela's going to be doing an announcement on that, and then Marcus is going to lead us in a song that you're going to love. about changes and about life and about how our life spans. And through all of that, we have to really continue to practice how to listen. I think so much of it comes down to very simple things. When you look at how are we going to listen, what is that going to look like? There's a difference between listening with the, please say the I word there, listening with the, the intention to respond or I'm really good at holding forth. You know, are you going to listen with that intention to, yeah, I can't wait to get in my bit. I can't wait to actually hold forth on this. Versus the intention to understand. Those are two very, very different pieces. And when we can really listen, when we can really work at listening, God will start to show things to us. We'll start to see things. We'll start to see needs out there in the world that will lead to dragon boat races. That will lead to Kevin Hines coming here and speaking. And that have led to the creation of the R.J. Leonard Foundation. Now, here at New Church Live, again, I like to talk at this level, but then we talk about being a Monday morning church. And so what does this actually look like when we listen? And how does that actually become encapsulated in people's lives? So we're very fortunate to have Joe Leonard and Delena Fiadino here just to share a little bit of their story around that foundation. So please give them a warm welcome to New Church Live. Good morning. My name is Delena Fiadino, and I do not believe in coincidences. In September of 2014, I attended a charity event called 100 Women in Bucks County, where I wrote a check to a small local nonprofit. That following month, my son Cole, who was in eighth grade at the time, came home from school and told me about a story that he listened to and learned about a kid in his grade who was abruptly placed into a group home. And I listened. And I listened. And at that moment, my life has forever changed. We found ourselves 
led to taking steps to bring another son into our home. A few months later, after ongoing interactions with the court system to bring Andrew into our family, the court-appointed attorney referred us to Joe Leonard and the R.J. Leonard Foundation. When Joe came to our home, I then, at that moment, realized that this nonprofit that she founded was that same small nonprofit that I had written the check to back in September. Instantly, I knew that this was our chosen path and another confirmation that there are no coincidences. Our family has been benefiting from the resources provided by the R.J. Leonard Foundation, and I am now grateful to serve on the board. If any of you are touched by what you hear today or would like to serve in some way, come and speak to myself and Joe at the end of the service um, about how you can um, serve. And now, it is my extreme pleasure to introduce you to my friend and founder of the R.J. Leonard Foundation, Joe Leonard. Thank you for listening mindfully. I'm going to speak mindfully by sitting mindfully rather than standing. Uh, It's pretty easy to notice the stark differences between the street road in New Hope, where I live, and the street road in North Philadelphia, where the grass is a little less glossy and manicured. Mailboxes a little less adorned with all kinds of crazy things that I see. And the bus stops. Well, actually, there aren't very many bus stops in New Hope. I'll let you try and figure out why not. It doesn't take too much mindfulness to see the differences between central and lower Bucks counties. But that's not the whole story. There are many unlucky kids who end up in foster care, who are actually right in front of your nose, could actually be sitting next to you. I believe you have to look very carefully at the people around you to notice whether a family is struggling, and then take action in some small way to help them. Kids end up in foster care because nobody was really paying attention. This social aberration that we see in even the wealthiest of neighborhoods isn't as much about poverty or race, as you might think. It's about the moment when life's challenges get in the way of raising a happy, healthy child. Overwhelming bills lead to frustration and anger. Addictions lead to impatience and abuse. Depression leads to negligence. Suddenly, these everyday struggles can overwhelm a family, and the result is a child with no reliable, safe, consistent, unconditionally loving parent or parents. The result is a child who finds himself in a group home with other abandoned and abused and neglected children. The result is a child who is angry and resentful, confused, in shock, behind in school, with nobody putting them first. The social welfare system takes them from their family puts them into a group home or safe and loving foster family if they're extremely lucky, and keeps them alive. That's their job. And when they turn 18, they sit in a large room filled with social workers 
and caseworkers and a judge and all kinds of wonderful people and are bombarded with questions about what they want to do now that they've turned 18. Do you want to leave the system, they ask them. Do you want to stay in the system and get a board extension for a few more years? Where do you want to live? Now, I can't see you because there's a super bright light in my eyes. So I'm going to trust that, so that you will respond honestly to this question. How many of you have 17 or 18-year-olds? Okay. What would your 18-year-old say if faced with that question? I'm guessing it would be, go to college. Seems like a pretty normal response if you were a normal 18-year-old were asked. Well, that's easier said than done when you've bounced from foster home to group home, school district to homeschooling, or no schooling at all. Not exactly college ready. <clears throat> so when my dad died, Suddenly, at 69, of a heart attack. And the anger, in shock and sadness, had worn off, just a, worn off just a little. I went into some kind of urgent state of must do something to make him proud of our family name, because it was just me that was left as a Leonard. I selfishly wanted to see his name every day in my inbox, to remind me of him, and to remind myself that life is bigger than my own personal and professional accomplishments. And so the R.J. Leonard Foundation was formed. With little help than a $250 donation, a tax guy who helped me with some arduous paperwork, and a strong urge to help and mentor and support marginalized and at-risk youth in Bucks County, because that's where I lived, specifically those who are aging out of the foster care system. And here's why that demographic spoke to me. I don't come from foster care, neither did my father. My mom and dad were teachers, I'm an education consultant, and I know that without an education, we are all doomed. Sounds dramatic, that's what I believe. 3% of foster care youth graduate from college versus 40% of the normal population. In this room, it's probably closer, your population's probably closer to 70%. That's 3%. 25% of foster care youth will end up incarcerated at some point in their lives, early experience early pregnancy, or will be homeless. Each time a foster care youth fails to launch into self-sufficiency, financial self-sufficiency, and falls back onto the welfare system, it costs the taxpayer, that's you guys, $300,000 a year. Lost tax revenue, welfare, and other entitlement costs. The good news is that if we can help them extend their education past high school, they have a much greater chance of breaking that cycle of poverty forever, passing that education, the passion for education, and their career achievements onto their children and their children's children. The foundation is currently serving 12 foster care youth, and we're growing, with a goal of serving 15 to 20 by the end of next year. We've expanded to serve Montgomery County, which is huge. Since its inception, this tiny foundation's budget has grown from 250000 to, by the end of this year, $100,000. Still small, but very powerful in so many ways. We don't simply write checks and then walk away. Every dollar we invest in our fellows, as we call them, is carefully considered, and every fellow is given a lifelong, hands-on, very committed mentor. We customize our financial, 
or transportation and culturally enrichment scholarships very carefully based on the specific needs of our individual beneficiaries. Our goal is to put these young adults on the same level playing field as their more affluent peers so that they have the same opportunities to be happy, healthy, productive members of society. Each fellow costs us approximately $3,750 a year. The math is super easy. If we work with a fellow for four years and they attain their college degree, it has cost the community $15,000. We are 100% privately funded, no money coming from the government. So that $15,000 uh, translates into $275,000 less than what it would cost if they fail to launch and fall back onto the welfare system after they age out at 21. October 21st sees our second annual fundraiser. We're auctioning off a trip to Spain, sleigh rides, chefs who will come to your house and cook you dinner on those busy evenings, um, and other really great items. Um, it's at Cedarbrook Country Club, just around the corner, I believe. So I would invite you to please come, meet some of our board members, meet our fellows, hear from our mentors, figure out how you can be involved if you'd like to be. We hope that you see that being mindful of the nuances of the families around you and the people around you can lead to very fulfilling experiences in life because that's personally what I have experienced and I'm sure Delena, where does she go? <laughs> would tell you as well. So from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you for your time. And um, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask. That was perfect. So, folks, you know, there are examples of listening. You know, new church theology, new church stuff. We're a faith that deeply believes that Christianity must be incarnational. In other words, it has to be something that is lived, that the movement is always down. It's, it's not a basic, how do I escape from this life? It's like, how do I live in this life? How do I listen? And there's beautiful words that, that, that Christ offers us about the importance of this. And that's what I want to share with you. This beautiful language around the parable, it's called the parable of the sower. And this is Christ trying to explain how we're supposed to do this, how we're supposed to listen to each other, how this is supposed to work. A farmer went out to sow a seed. He was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path that was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. I'm going to have you say good soil really loud. Still other seed fell on good, on good soil. On good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. It's a, it's a beautiful passage that, that reminds us again about this, what open-hearted listening really can be. I mean, we all know that person who like the soil's been tilled. That the seeds can be planted and what we can hear. And what's so interesting to me, and in a way that I can't quite describe, is that that, that, that soil, that, that softness, that soft listening that God is asking us to do, that soft listening, seeds get planted in it, and then in turn we go from being listeners to being doers. Notice what I just said there. We go from being listeners to being doers. 
but it's a very, very empowered form of doing because we've really heard. We've really heard. And yet we struggle with this. So, you know, again, like it's, it's uh, sometimes I like to take a little risk. You folks ready for a little risk? Please say yes. yes. All right. So let's all stand up. All right. Get a little stretch first. Get your arms stretched out. Now, what I'm going to do is Delena, Dean, and myself were at a wedding yesterday. Wasn't it a great wedding? It was an awesome wedding. We had a great time. I'm going to tell you the highlight. But as I'm telling you what I want you to do, is I want you to have in your mind silently the number 100. And I want you to count backwards by sevens as I tell the story. You got it? I realize for those of you who have math anxiety, you just broke out in cold sweats right there. So I'm going to tell the story about what the highlight was. I'm just going to go through 15 seconds. I want you to count backwards from sevens in your head, silently trying to listen to me at the same time. Ready? All right, this was the best part. The part that I love, I love so much with these Italian weddings was, you know, I'm there with the couple and, and they come forward and then we invite the parents up to do a full blessing with them. And so the parents all put their hands on the kids' backs and then I talk to them about, well, these were the first hands that ever held you. And these, and then I hold the couple's hands. I said, these are the hands that will carry you home. And there's something about that moment that's beautiful. Now, how rewarding was that to listen as you were trying to count back from seven. Did that work? It was horrible, right? How many of you just said, forget it, I'm listening to Chuck's story? How many of you can't subtract seven from 100? <laughs> this is a sorry excuse for an audience. So yeah, you know, so let me tell you the story. Can I tell you the story? Please say yes. Yes, I want all the garbage out of your brain. I want you to just focus. I want full body listening. It's beautiful. Now, first off, I was telling Dean, I love doing New Jersey Italian family weddings because everybody tells you they love you and they kiss you. It's beautiful. And the food, incredible. But the ceremony, the ceremony, folks, it was, it was spectacular. This is a dear couple. They watch us online. They may even be watching right now. Though it's their honeymoon, I doubt it. So, so uh, you know, and I, I call them for it, and then the parents come up. And, and you have to kind of see it as I see it. It's like a V going out. Here I am. I'm just a witness to what love is, and love is good. Life's really good. It's not perfect, but it's really good. And so the couple's sitting there, and then the, then the parents come up. And the couple sort of turns towards the parents and, and they, form, uh, they form the family. And one of the families, a couple of the parents were divorced, but they were still up there just doing it, just saying, just saying with their actions, we love our kid. And I'm watching it. And it's this circle. And it's this beautiful reminder of the power. Please say the R word. The power when we learn to reconnect. Can we say it together? The power when we learn to reconnect. reconnect. It's just, it's incredible. It's like, it's like grabbing hold of this electric wire. Like, oh my goodness. Do you realize how precious that is? You know, that's what it can be. You may be seated. Give yourselves a round of applause. You folks did that very well. What we start to understand there with that good ground that Christ talks about is that, that we can choose that. And then that ground goes down and then it goes out. And remember how much we belong to each other. And we get these moments where we see that again and again. I want to show you just a real, as we close the service, a real quick video clip here. It's of, it's of a couple of baseball players. Now, this baseball player, his name was D. Gordon. He had never hit a home run before. 
Did you hear what I just said? Never, never had hit a home run before. His buddy on, on, this, on this baseball team, Jose Fernandez, probably a lot of you are aware, you know, died in a boating accident, this professional baseball player. So D. Gordon gets up first at bat, the first game after they'd lost their teammate, a guy who's never hit a home run. Take a look at this video, see what happens, and notice all the connectedness that we all share. Take a look. video. Did you see they were all wearing their, their buddy's shirt? You know, and his number? We belong to each other. We belong to each other. Be the good soil. Let that be the path to mindfulness to you this week. If you need a practice, if you're looking like this week, well, what do we do? Well, here's a simple way to practice. Husbands, this one's really important to ask <laughs> How do you know when I'm listening? Ask somebody you know, like, how do you know when I'm listening? Work at getting better at it. Because, folks, it's, 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 it's so important to do. It's, it's a part of life that as a church we can capture. It's a part of life that can make a difference. It was the part that was the miracle of Kevin, the miracle of Allie, the miracle of hearing Joe, the miracle where we start to hear each other. And when we do that, Again, we start to hear God. Thank you. Please join me now in a prayer. I'm going to offer a prayer, and then you have your own opportunity to say a silent prayer as you know it, or the Lord's Prayer. So please join me. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today, Lord. Thank you for the connection. Thank you, Lord, for our ability to maybe hear others' stories, Lord, and maybe find in that connection a connection to you. And allow us this week to go out better and better at open-hearted listening. Good soil. Soil, Lord, that can hold seeds. Soil, Lord, where things can grow under your grace, your care, your warmth, your light, and your love. 
us there as simple soil. Plow the field, leaving the rest, leaving the rest to grace. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.